Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So there'll be times in my life when I'm praying, I don't even know what I'm praying for. And sometimes I pray wrong because I'm praying selfishly. And I have to say to God, I need your help. That's where the Spirit intercedes for me in my prayer life. God's loving hand comes on me and directs my prayer. Today, Pastor Mark teaches we need to be sensitive as we're living our lives for God. We're given the Holy Spirit to intercede on our behalf when we're at a loss and just don't know which way to go. Sometimes in desperation, we'll approach God with petitions that are selfish in nature. Pastor says, in these cases, if you're not getting the peace of God as part of the response, then the answer is no. You should have a settled feeling based on God's word and all the circumstances surrounding the request. Remember, you will not have the peace of God if you're fighting his will. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 26, with our continuing study entitled, Patience and the Invisible. So he has come to teach me how many things? You didn't get it. How many? Well, how many is all? I'm looking maybe to refinance my home. I'm not, but you might be. Is God interested in that detail? Well, sure he is. Will he teach you the right way? Well, where do you turn in the Bible to find it? How do you determine it? Well, let me show you four ways. But before I show you four ways, let me give you some qualifications real quickly. Okay, we're going to have to go very fast. Ready? Here we go. If you're going to determine God's will, there's a couple things, about three or four that I'm going to give you really quick that you have to know. You probably have to get the tape. Number one, you have to be a Christian. You can't determine God's will if you're not a Christian. You, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. So you're just gambling with your life. That doesn't mean you make all dumb decisions, but the decisions that really matter in life, being conformed to God... You can't do because you don't have the Holy Spirit. So the first thing you have to do to get God's will in your life is you have to be a Christian. Number two, this is very important. If you're going to be a Christian and you want God's will, here's what you have to say to God first. God, I'm flexible. I will do whatever you tell me to do. That's before you hear the answer. Did you get the sequence? I'm flexible. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. How does that work? It works like this. You see, we can't say to God, God, give me your will for this situation. Let me give you an illustration about this church. Let's say, uh, let's say I say to God, uh, God, I'm really happy here in Melbourne and 
It's neat what you've done with my life. I like serving these people. I'm pretty comfortable now. There's lots of challenges they have with the new buildings and all that stuff, but I'm really excited about it. And I'll serve you as long as you never move me from Melbourne. Now, could I say that in my life? Well, sure. Is God going to answer my prayer? No. See, I've, I've put God in my box. So when I pray for his will, he's not going to give me his will. Because it could be that his will is where? In Timbuktu. To start a new church. But God! Now, if God calls me to start a new church in Timbuktu, should I go to Timbuktu? Why? Because God told me, and the best place to always be is in the center of what? You mean in Timbuktu with a brand new church and no people versus this one? with? That's exactly right. Same for your life in every instance. Now, don't start the rumors. I don't even know if there is a Timbuktu, but I'm not going there. And yes, he directs me. And if he does, am I going? I'm out of here. Does that mean somebody else will take over? Sure it will. See, that's what I'm saying. You, you can't ask God, well, God, direct me in this, uh, in this situation, but. Can't include the but. Number three, you have to be walking with God. Not only do you have to be a Christian, but you can't have sin in your life. If you have sin in your life this morning as a Christian, God does not hear your prayers. He isn't interested about directing you at all. He's not interested in helping you with your mortgage. He wants to get your life straight. So if you're here this morning, you have unconfessed sin as a Christian. You say, I'm not hearing from God. No kidding. Because God isn't concerned with that detail. He's concerned with the detail of your heart. And lastly, you have to be seeking him through prayer. You have to actually seek him. It's not one of these things that you, you go in all our lives. And those of you that are over in the, in the chapel, you, you, know, you just sit down in the chapel and say, Hey, God, I'm here. I did my time this morning. I'm out of here. I know whatever I do, you're going to direct my will. And I don't really care to pray about it. I know everything is just going to fall in place. Oh, no, it's not going to fall in place. We're directed to ask and to pray for his will in our life. So let's go for the, through the four ways. There's many ways to find God's will. I'm going to give you just four this morning quickly. Four most important that I believe. Number one, we find God's will through the word of God. Through the word of God. Psalm 119, 105 is on the overhead for you. It says this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. God gave us his word, which is anointed by the Holy Spirit. By the way, the Holy Spirit, who is the author of this book, lives where in you? Inside. So wouldn't you think the author of the book would use his book to direct you? Yes. All of this is true. So the primary, get this down this morning. The primary way that God directs us in our life is through his word. The primary way. Now, what does that mean? That means this, as we go through the Bible verse by verse, keeping things in context, we discover how to do life right. That's why you're here this morning. Somebody stopped me this last week on Wednesday night and said, how come this church is growing and this one isn't and then whatever? I said, all I, all, I, all I can tell you is why this church is growing. Because we're studying God's word. That's what he told us to do. And as we study God's word, people are getting their lives together. Their families are being restored. Their relationships are being made up together. God's just doing miracles because of the principles of God's word. So we go through the Bible. Now, there's two things I want to teach you about as we go through the Bible, what we're learning. The first one is this. We're learning precepts or behind the word precepts. Just write this word, word moral laws. The Bible is filled with precepts or moral laws, which simply are clear, direct commands from God. We don't have any alternative. When I go through them, let me give you some. As you're going through the Bible, the Bible says this, do not lie. 
That's a command. It doesn't mean do not lie except when it's convenient. It just says do not lie. Then another one, it says this. If you're a Christian, marry only a Christian. That is a command. That is a precept. It's a moral law. Hasn't changed since it was written. It will never change. If I go against the moral law of God, am I in trouble? Absolutely. So you can't put yourself above God's law. The second thing we find in God's word are principles, general guidelines that require spiritual discernment. In other words, the principles there, how I apply it, needs some application that God can give me. Psalm 119.66 says, Teach me knowledge and good judgment, for I believe in your commands. In other words, God will give us his discernment through the Holy Spirit. Well, what are some of these principles? Here's one. Speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4.15 says, Speak the truth in love. I need discernment with that. That doesn't mean every part of truth that I know, I'm going to speak in love to you this morning. If I did, we'd be here a lot more than an hour. So I have to, even in my life, when I'm dealing with another person, I have to watch what I say, the discernment that I use. Speak the truth in love. Here's another one. Don't stumble your brother. In Romans 14, what does that mean? How do I apply that today? How can I live and not stumble a person that might be offended because of this? Let me give you a practical illustration. Somebody emailed me this week and said this. Is birth control defined in the Bible as a sin? Well, can I turn to a Job 3.8 and it says this. Take your orthonovum on day one and day two and not day two. Can I find that? No, I can't find that. So what do I do when those things aren't there? I go back to a principle. Well, what would a principle be? Here's my belief on that. Since birth control isn't addressed specifically in there, then I go back to the principle. And the principle that I would use in a family is this. The Bible says in in three of the Gospels, if I'm going to consider building a tower, I have to sit down and count the cost. So we've gone through it with all the finance and whatever and look back on what God's going to do and we had to consider the cost. So if I'm going to build a tower, I have to consider the cost. Now, why do I have to consider the cost? So that I don't get halfway through the tower and go, "Uh uh-oh, can't finish it. There it is. Too bad. It's too late. We say, what does that have to do with birth control? Just this. If you're not going to practice some kind of birth control and you're married and you're a young couple, if you don't practice birth control, get ready for 18 to 20 kids. Am I right? It's going to happen. Now, Stop and think this morning. Count the cost. Can you afford 18 to 20 kids? If you can, go for it. Can most of you? Even 18 to 20 have shocked you already this morning. 18 to 20 kids. No, you can't afford it. So what? You practice birth control. You do it within reason. God gave us commands to replenish the earth, but he didn't say you must have 33 kids each. Okay? So use some common sense. So as we go through the Bible, get this point down. If you don't write anything else down, write this one down this morning. The better we know God's word, the easier it is to determine his will for our lives. So the better I know God's word and the God gave me his word to know him, the more I study it, the better it is, the easier it is for me to determine his will for my life. We find that from Hebrews 5.14, which I have on the overhead for you. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So here's the great thing you're doing this morning. Some of you haven't got it yet, but you'll get it. You're here and you wonder, why should I take notes? Why should I get a 
a buck tape when I leave or a CD or whatever because of this. When you play it back, when you read your notes again, even if you never read your notes again, you put more of the word in you than those of you that are sitting there just looking at me this morning, especially those of you that are sitting there and haven't looked at the Bible yet. I'm not sure really why you're here. Maybe you're seeking. That's good that you're seeking. But if you're going to come, what you want to do is notice what this says. Solid food, in other words, understanding God's word, is for the mature, who by constant use, my use, I can't train my wife. I can't say to my wife, okay, let's have the Bible study. I can say that, but she can just sit there and look at me. If she doesn't study God's word for herself, she can't train herself. None of you here would walk onto a plane with a pilot that sat in a class but never opened a book. You wouldn't do it. You want to see how many hours he has, what the experience, same thing with a surgeon. A guy that just sat in class at the back of the class and went, hey, nice, nice course. Never did a day of surgery, but you're going to have open heart with him next week. You'd say, are you nuts? Well, this is what this verse means. That's why we're here. And many of you are doing great. You're getting it. You're taking notes. You're picking up a tape. And God's changing your life. What is he doing? It just means this, that it's easier for you to determine God's will because it begins to make sense to your spirit. See, God's ways are not man's ways. And that's why we need to study his word. Here's another thing you need to write down. God's will never contradicts his written word. I'm going to give you three other ways you find the will of God in your life. But know this. If somebody comes to you and says, this is what God says to do, and it goes against the direct command of God, you can say to them, you have not heard from God. I've had many people sitting in counseling sessions say to me, here's what God told me to do. When I open the scripture and pointed out the specific area where God says, don't do that, they said, I don't care what that says. God spoke to my heart. That's a very dangerous place. Because God didn't speak to your heart. Satan spoke to your heart. So anytime you're discovering God's will, it cannot go against his written word. Number two, not only do we know God's will from his word, but we know it from the inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Proverbs 16, verse 9. Today, God speaks to us through our spirits. We're body, soul, and spirit. He uses our mind. But he also speaks to it through our spirit. And this has much to do with the, the next one that I'll talk about also. Proverbs 16, 9 says this. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. We need to be sensitive as we're living our lives for God. And as I'm going through the word of God, there'll be inner promptings from the Holy Spirit. And I'll know God is saying to me, this isn't where you want to go. You don't want to do this. Notice, I have for you in the overhead Psalm 143.10. Write it down, 143.10, Psalm. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. You see, the Holy Spirit comes to lead us, to direct us. Here's another area that I want you to write down this morning. We won't take time to turn there this morning, but write these verses down. Romans 8, 26, and 27. Have you ever been in this place where you don't know how to pray? 
You don't know how to pray. Well, let me read for you Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So there'll be times in my life when I'm praying, I don't even know what I'm praying for. And sometimes I pray wrong because I'm praying selfishly. And I have to say to God, I need your help. That's where the Spirit intercedes for me in my prayer life. God's loving hand comes on me and directs my prayer so that I pray adequately. That inner promptings of the Holy Spirit. Let me give another example. As I'm teaching you this morning, I'm teaching you some different things than I taught last night and some different things that I'll teach in the third service. I have my notes. I have all those things that I go through. But as I'm teaching, God will bring things to my heart, to my mind, different things that I'll emphasize because he knows who's here. I don't know who's here. And that's God's inner promptings. It'll be the same for you. Now, this inner promptings works with the next thing very tightly, very closely. And it's called the peace of God. This is another way you can know God's will for your life. And I have it for you on the overhead. Look at Colossians 3.15. It says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. This is how we know that we are in the will of God. Let me share my own experience. When I know that I'm doing what God wants, and I know I'm in an area that I can't turn to Matthew 5, 7 and find a specific thing, i.e. call to another church or add the next phase, buy some more land out there. What I do is I go back to the principles. If I know I'm not being selfish, if I know I'm, I'm wanting God's will, and I want His will even before I know what it's going to be, and I pray for it, my final determining factor in my life is the peace of God. Now, I can't explain to you what that means, but it means this, that I have a settled feeling based on God's word and all the circumstances, regardless of the circumstances. Paul and Silas, just been beaten, thrown into jail, put into stocks, and they're praising and singing songs at midnight. Now, did they have the peace of God in their heart? Yes. Why? Because they were smack dab right in the middle of what? God's will. And you say, I don't want to be smack dab in the middle of God's will like that. Well, did God use that? Yes. The jailer came to the Lord. His whole family came to the Lord. So God used that. See, God's loving hand was there. So the peace of God doesn't have to do with the circumstances. See, it's the umpire. It's the thing that when, when you lay down at night... And you say to God, God, I can't find in here exactly where to go, but this is what I prayed for, and this is what you seem to show me, and I'm going for it. If you have a peace, go for it. That's what it's about. It's the peace of God that is ruling our heart. Now, you'll never have this peace in your heart if you're fighting God's will. If some of you are here this morning, and you're fighting what you, you know, you already know what God wants you to do and you're fighting it, you're that mule, or you haven't come to Christ yet, you're fighting it, let me tell you, you can convince yourself that you got peace. You got no peace. And that is a miserable place. I've been there. And I didn't want to back up and admit that I wanted my will and not his. Don't do it because you'll never find the peace. Lastly, and I put four things together because I just didn't have time. Visions, dreams, wise counsel, and circumstances. God uses these. He uses wise people 
to counsel us. Always again, by the word of God. If you come for any counseling in this church, it's done by God's word. Also, we can use circumstances, both good and bad. You need to be very careful with circumstances. You have to be very careful. Because we like all the good circumstances. That means God's for us. Uh, that couldn't be your will, God, here. No, it very well could be God's will. Also, God speaks to us through visions, dreams, prophets, gifts of the Spirit. Those things are still operational today. But again, in these four things, visions, dreams, wise counsel, and circumstances, all of them must be filtered first through the Word of God. You can't go by somebody saying, I have a word for you. Well, let them give you a word, but make sure it goes through the Word of God. Now, when we're thinking of that, what does that mean? Only God knows my future. He knows only the big picture. Life is filled with difficult things. There'll be circumstances that come in your life that we're just going to have to learn to walk by faith. God's will is good for us. God loves us. There are times that his will, listen, includes trouble and difficulty. What do I do then? We have to have patience and trust his invisible hand that it's going to be all right. That everything is going to be all right. God is going to take those things that seem to be very difficult in your life this morning. Joseph. Study Joseph in the Bible. Here's another great passage. If you want to do homework this week, just read the little book of Jonah. Go through the little book of Jonah, and you'll see what it's like running from God's will and how lovingly God brings Jonah back to where he needs to be and accomplish what God wants. This morning, God is not aloof from you. He's not far away from you. He's concerned with the very details of your life, right where you're at. And it's going to require in my life patience and trust, faith that he knows what he's doing. He's proved it to you in the past. Relax this morning. If you're a Christian and you're here, you're loved. And here's one more thing I want to say. Some of you, when you look in your past, there's a circumstance that has taken place and you become bitter in your life. There's unforgiveness and bitterness because God allowed this, whatever this is, to happen. Let the bitterness go this morning because you will never enjoy life with bitterness. You say, well, Pastor Mark, you don't know what it was like. No, but I've had my own. I'll have many more. See, I either have to, listen to this, as a Christian, I either have to believe Romans 8, 28, or I throw the whole Bible out. As I'm following God, everything that comes into my life through his loving hand is to conform me to his image, is to make me like him. Some of the stuff is really hard. You say, well, Pastor Mark, you don't ever go anything hard. <laughs> Shall I start sharing with you? Why, God? doesn't matter. You see, God is still conforming me. You'll have plenty of hard things in your life, but God is still good, and He loves us, and He's concerned in our life. You're bitter this morning. Let it go. Get rid of it. Come back and be patient under His loving hand. At some point, we all struggle with knowing what the will of God is. When this happens, it's important to remember what we just learned. God will never contradict His written Word. So, if what you're hearing or feeling lines up with what you're reading, 
you're good to go. Get to know Him more. Get into His Word so you can be certain you're doing life right. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church and today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. How many times do you think money is mentioned in the Bible? It might surprise you to find out. God's given this resource as a privilege for us to enjoy and be accountable for. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark takes a look at loot from a biblical perspective, teaching us that most people don't have money problems, they have managing problems. Be sure to tune in. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Let us hear your lesson.